Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but by trans- but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, don't think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us is one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it's serving, let him serve. If it's teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it's leadership, let him govern diligently. If it's showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Don't be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. And do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Don't take revenge, my friends. Leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is the word of the Lord as he speaks to us. And we thank him for that. I do want to um, start and work methodically through this scripture passage and start with sacrifice, which is a word that we perhaps are familiar with, but much like the word submit and confession, if I could pick two, sometimes they become the butt end of jokes and we end up talking about them in different ways in which is not helpful. But here we begin by understanding Paul's message to us is one of sacrifice, which is then again very heavy of a word. It's very strong in terms of, oh, I don't know if I want to deal with it, much like submission is, much like confession. Now I'm picking these words because um, they are the butt end of jokes, but they mean very little in terms of helping us move forward in life unless they do what Paul does and reflect and be rooted in the first, 12 chapter, first 11 chapters of, of Romans, which has everything to do of the history of the Jewish people moving into the Gentile stage, the good news of the gospel comes, and of course that's because of the greatness of who Christ Jesus is in his death and resurrection, which is always something that we need to root that concept of sacrificial living in. 
And so maybe the word sacrifice, if I dare be a little playful with it this morning, is, is not one that is just so heavy laden, that's so strong and potent that we don't want to deal with it. But maybe it actually has some sense of great joy. Much like uh, eating something very sour, it's still delicious. That was kind of a corny analogy, but there is something about the sacrificial living that is rooted in Christ Jesus' story that gives us an element of trust that we have great joy when we do honor the encouragement of Paul in Romans chapter 1 and 2. I think confession is a word I picked because as much as people joke around and say, yeah, Confess your sins. It's good for the soul. They're kind of mocking you. But at the same time, the truth is there, but it's only there in Christ Jesus. Oh, and people make the jokes, especially when it comes to marriages with that word submit. But it does not become funny. It becomes very life-giving, which is where this joy comes from when the word submission is only rooted in the story of Christ Jesus which is what the marriage vows that we typically hear are all about. Give yourself up as Christ did for the church and submit as the church does to Christ. It's rooted in there and such is the case for sacrifice. So as we move forward and having that as a banner hanging over this passage as Paul begins his chapter 12 reading, his writing, then let us move forward in the element of the body parts. And who we are, because he's speaking to us with the memory of the fact we're connected. But he's speaking to us as individuals, asking us to play the role that only we can play according to the gifts God has given to us. This is one of the things that I would like to share with you this morning, that it is not just based on the fact that there are needs. What I mean by that is there's some freedom in Paul's passage where he said, please, do what you're gifted to do and don't wait to be asked. Have a lot of fun doing what you do best in order to bring honor and glory to the Lord Jesus Christ, knowing that he has asked us to be sacrificial again. Immediately I think of time, that I have to sacrifice more time. Anything I don't have is what I think that I'm going to be asked of when the word sacrifice comes up, or I'm very busy, or I'm, I'm scared. I asked Wayne, hey, that's what I was talking about when he was done his sign language thing. I said, hey, Wayne, do you know the word uh, busy in sign language? And he goes, uh, no. Uh, so I says, how about the word uh, um, uh, Fear. And, uh, and then, no, no, he's thinking. So that was too bad. And now I just put him on the spot anyways without putting him on the spot. Uh, but that would have been kind of time, timely because that is some of the things that I think about uh, when we are challenged with this word sacrifice. Oh, I don't have any more time. But what Paul is saying is when you have your gift set, when you have your assets, when you have your abilities... Please, nothing but a green light. Be creative. Rejuvenate. Revive your imagination in how you can deplore those gifts, knowing that you are connected to many others who are doing the same. And not wait to be asked. This is one of the challenges that I have with the ministry that I do amongst neighbors. 
because some people don't necessarily think past the busyness and the fear, and they don't get to the reimagination part about who they are and what kind of blessing they can be on the fly in whatever they can think of. And I have a few examples in a few moments. But without going much further, the sacrifice is not necessarily bent on just having us give more time or whatever it is we don't have any more of, but it's simply a a word that allows us to be released into the lives of those who live around us on behalf of Jesus Christ because of the hope he gave us. And to have fun with it, it's not in the scriptures, but to find the joy in the sacrifice knowing that you have that to give. We see this not only in the scripture passage for what's needs based, but what we know as just according to our abilities. What I mean is that there is something uncanny about the fact that we believe that our calling in life when it comes to sacrificial living is based solely on needs. Perhaps I'm being a little judgmental, but in the four Christian Reformed churches and the one Presbyterian church that I've served and in the councils and different community organizations, anywhere where they take minutes and have decisions made, it has been an overwhelmingly majority of the time, overwhelming majority of the time been spent on on addressing needs. There's a problem, so it needs to be addressed. And And there's a need here. We have to address that. Now, there's nothing wrong with that, but the Scriptures are very clear that we should not just be 90% about addressing needs and being reactionary, but we should be um, proactive in the sense that we have been given a gift set and an ability to do things, and without having to be waiting to be asked or till needs come up, we should know that we are just free to explore and do this as we wish. So as one person put it, you bet, bless their socks off. Just go and, and do what you are able to do and give what you are able to give only because it's rooted in the story of Christ Jesus that gives us hope. So none of this, ah, I almost don't want to say it, but none of this pay it forward because it doesn't, and, and none of this give back to the community I might hear it after, but, but those words don't, don't really capture the essence of it being rooted in Christ Jesus as one who needs to live sacrificially with the joy that we have and the hope of him rising from the dead. I know it kind of gets there, and it's beautiful language, and it's popular language, but paying it for, giving back to the, they're, they're good, but they don't really get down into the earthy rootedness of of who we are in Christ Jesus when Paul asks us to move forward as sacrificial living human beings. Here's one example. I'll give you two. For Thanksgiving, and I blog this. You can see it on on rickavon.com if if, if you want to to read the story. But I had a neighbor and a picture of, of what she gave me. And... And it's this platter of, of meat. I don't, I don't need meat. Don't need. I don't need meat. I love meat. I want meat. So bring it on, anybody. But she came by 
and gave me meat. I went, wow, thank you. It's Thanksgiving. She's not a, a believer, uh, and nor is he, and, and, and they know we are. And they, they gestured with this platter of meat simply because their freezer is full. He hunts, and they have this plentiful, and so she gave me meat. Now, I don't know if, if, if you are, are going to talk to your spouse or somebody in your family after, oh, there must be more to it. Uh, people just don't just drop off meat. Uh, but they do when it comes into embedding yourself into people's lives with, with the love that we are instructed to. And, and when you live this out, sometimes these things happen but it's not so much about what I received, it's the lesson I learned as to how to move forward with Paul's calling and encouragement as a member of the body of Christ. Because she does that without the rootedness in the story of Christ Jesus, how much more then should I? I don't think it took much time I'm sure she's busy. It's just something she could do. And she gifted this as a way to express something that I believe Jesus, the Lord God, is teaching me to do a little bit more. Without waiting for the meeting to start, so that 7.30 tonight we can all come together and find out who has what, and then I would be told that I have this and I should give that to so-and-so. That can still happen, but without having to wait for us to be asked or wait for us to be encouraged. Our encouragement is here in Paul's message to not only respond to needs, but to just be a person that acts as a member of the body of Christ because it's rooted in the sacrificial living story of Christ Jesus and the history of what our scriptures teach us that gives us the hope that we have. Another example, which I thought was beautiful. There's a medical physician, a young girl, she's uh, now three years as a doctor, who uh, I know, and and she, out of nowhere, this this is another slap in the face for me, out of nowhere, last week, she emails me, and I don't get much emails from her, there's I just I thought, oh, I got a, a message from Brittany. Cool. So I opened it up. And, and she said, for some reason, I thought of you and then wanted to look up the meaning of your name in case you didn't know. And then she told me the meaning of, of my name. And just for some of you who know me, a little side note. I know I, my name is Rick, but my real name is Arnold. Just... <laughs> It's just weird, but uh, it is. Now, my second name's Richard, so get over it. But Arnold, Arnold and Richard both mean leader and eagle. And she said, this is now what I, I think of you. This is who you are. Do you have any? And, and she went on to ask me a series of questions. And through that, I was blessed. I was I don't know, she's busy. She's a medical physician. Third year, trying to establish herself. 
But how she creatively came across a way in which she could honor, bless, and bring about life through whatever she had to give up or do was something, again, that taught me a lot. When we come to the idea of living sacrificially, and we understand that it's just not about addressing needs, but it's about being set free to to bless people and and to give of whatever we have that God has, has given us in terms of our assets or our abundance, maybe this is helpful. It's not all about doing. I learned this from someone, and it would be good to have a picture. I don't know why I didn't think of that until now. But I'll just briefly say this to you, because in our culture, when we listen to the Scriptures, we often then want to answer the question about, so what do we got to do? So we get together. What do we got to do? So if we have a map of the world, pretend this hand here is the globe. That's my best effort, I guess. And then in the north, someone taught me this. Culturally speaking, in the north, it's all about knowing. In the west, it's all about doing. In the south, the Latinos, South Africa, it's all about who you are, your being. And in the East, it's all about who you are becoming. Very loose boundaries, but generally speaking, those are the compartments. So if you go to a wedding and you go to the reception after, in the West, where we go to a lot of weddings, you will probably hear the question over and over again, so what do you do? What do you do? What do you do? And through the mingling, that is just a popular consensus because that's what's meaningful to Western culture. I bring this up because it helps us see, I guess, what what Paul is saying in the Scriptures from from the balcony. From 35,000 feet, we see it from a broader world view. So in the West, doing. And if you go to that same wedding with the reception after in in the South, they won't ask you what you do because that's not a value. So it's all about who you are, which is why sometimes us doing people in the West have a lot to say about how they don't do anything in the South. Maybe that's judgmental too. Or if you go to the East, which is the Middle East and Far East, you will hear the question that's more about who you are becoming in opposed to who you are or what you do. Which, and this is the point that I bring that little map up, is where the scriptures originate. In the place in which who you are becoming is a greater value than what you do. And I just bring that up again from 35,000 feet perspective, now getting back into the scriptures, that Paul speaks to us about being sacrificial in our living, addressing needs, but also being free to splurge our assets and our abundance, if I may put it that way, knowing that it's not just about what you do. Which is why Paul brings up some of these values in Scripture as to who we are as members of Christ that don't necessarily have us do anything. Like love, honor, zeal, patience, our conversation with God called prayer, and our hospitality. 
it's not necessarily all about our doing, but it's also as much about who we are and who we are becoming as God says, I am holy, you too shall be holy. It's transformation. It's a message of sacrificial living for the sake of transformation, not to get things done as if it's a checklist. I often want to preach a sermon because I think it's so relevant, especially in my case with loving neighbor, as much as loving our children. Because when we love our neighbor, sometimes we treat it as a checklist item. Yeah, I did that. I love my neighbor. But we, we must learn because in the scriptures, much with loving God, loving children, loving our neighbor, which are all commands rooted in the Old Testament, carried over to the New have everything to do with not being a checklist person like we are doing stuff all the time, but it's about being present. We know that when it comes to loving our children. That our presence matters most. If you do everything in the world, you hear the parent say that? I do everything for my children. Doesn't measure up to the parent who's present in the child's life. Much like Christ's presence is what we hear and learn and teach and preach and try to live out. I want to look at that list, love and honor and zeal and patience and prayer. But I want to just spend a little time on hospitality because that almost seems like a doing word. But I did a little study and this has everything to do with neighborhood life as well, having to love our neighbors. But hospitality is not a word that speaks entertainment. It has nothing to do with it. Sometimes people end up talking that way. Oh, I got to do this because it's got to practice hospitality, it says in the scripture. Well, hospitality actually means love of strangers, which is not so much a doing word like entertainment would imply, but it's a receiving word of being prepared and having your presence ready for that stranger who may come into your life or who you may come across in your life. In the actual Greek, hospitality is broken down uh, into xeno. Let's see, did I write it down? Probably not. Love of stranger, phileo, which is the love, and xeno, is the stranger. And that's the actual Greek words that we have that make up this concept of hospitality that Paul had written down here in Romans chapter 12. The opposite of that is xenophobia, which is fear of strangers. So again, without going through that whole list, we know that it's more about our presence than it is about what we do in regards to being a sacrificial living agent rooted in the story of Christ Jesus' resurrection from the dead, knowing we are connected as one of many parts in one body, applying ourselves to the needs of this world, but also dispersing who we are as gifted individuals with much assets. We need to live for transformation. Which is why I titled this message that, in light of the challenge that Paul is giving to us in Romans chapter 12. Again, rooted in Christ Jesus. 
the whole element of sacrifice and everything that we are talking about and reading here this morning is simply to remove ourselves from thinking of our own lives and to project it on others in order that we then may be transformed. That's Jesus' message to his disciples back in the day as well as today. Uh, Perhaps it's best to close with a story that illuminates that. We can call her a day. Because as this lady found herself entrenched in her thoughts of her own son who had just died, she decided to finally go and meet with her spiritual leader. The lady was middle-aged, and it was her only son, and she was just plagued with sorrow. Oh, me, hurt. And she went to her spiritual leader, and, and that guy said very little in terms of empathy or sympathy which caught me by surprise, but simply says, ma'am, go out from here and find someone else who doesn't have sorrow, who doesn't have pain. Come back and tell me about it. The lady was also caught in off guard. The spiritual leader knew Christ, knew the value of the Scriptures, Thought maybe he wasn't being very compassionate. But she went and took his challenge and went and looked. One of the things she did, um, funny enough, was come to a, a mansion. Beautiful, big home. She didn't really know the people, but she thought that that would be a good place to find someone who perhaps had everything that was needed. Didn't really have sorrow. And so in the conversation after visiting this place, Sitting down with a woman, she began to ask, So, I'm here on this journey, and I want to know, do you have any sorrow in your life? And the rich lady who lived in that mansion began to spill much of the pain and grief that she was bearing. And as she spoke, the lady who lost her son suddenly turned her eyes from herself onto this other lady. And her empathy and her sympathy and her compassion came alive and she became one who lived sacrificially in that moment as she sat with this rich lady in her mansion because she turned her eyes away from her and onto others just as Jesus had called us to do. And funny enough, she never made it back to her spiritual leader. I wonder what that man thought why she never came back, or perhaps he knew that once she would go out into the world and cast herself into the lives of others and not onto herself, that there would be no chance of her returning. And in that, she did meet a need, but again we're reminded to continue to move forward, not only in ways in which we are needed, but also in which ways we can just have fun and be a blessing to the many who live around us. Amen. Let me pray with you, and then we will sing our responsive song, Christian Hearts and Love United.